JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. The Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Ready to go in Milwaukee with a day off with the Pacers. Pacers Television, Valley Sports, Indiana. Pacers, Milwaukee tomorrow night. Pacers a win over the Pistons last night. Chris Denary joins us. Were you listening live to the Polian Moore thing back in 2001? Absolutely. I remember exactly where I was. I was the sports marketing communications director uh, for Methodist Sports Medicine. And the doctors, it's now Forte Sports Medicine. They take care of the Colts. And I was sitting in my office uh, in Carmel, uh, always, you know, always listening to the show. And you're right, the 22 minutes, it was remarkable radio. I mean, people were walking by that, you know, and people had their jaws dropping. Uh, It was, uh, and, and it's interesting because you bring up Tom Telesco, his wife, Lara, she was my uh, creative uh, director at the ad agency we worked with. So I had all these relationships, you yeah. know, um, and it was unbelievable radio. Unbelievable. And and what people sometimes forget about, and, and I bring it up right now because we, we lost a, a really good friend of ours in, in Ron Sexton uh, this past summer. Um, and Ron and I were in there together. And remember, that was back in the time where, where Drew, Drew Storen, Mark Patrick's son, was, I think, in sixth grade and playing basketball, and he had a game, and Mark was going to leave anyway in the 5 o'clock hour. So Mark left. Ron came in with me, and it was portrayed by the news stations around here that Mark was taken off the air, but Mark actually was going to watch Drew play sixth grade basketball. The best part about it is Ron and I were like talking back and forth about this. And all of a sudden the hotline rings and I put it through and it's Peyton Manning and Peyton Peyton Manning. I've always, I've always laughed about this. Peyton Manning said, Hey fellas, how you doing? I was just driving around listening and thought I could add a little bit to the conversation. (laughs) I mean, that's Peyton, right? I mean, Peyton always, I mean, to this day, Yeah. I mean, I remember covering him and you know, when I was at 59 and he knew everything that was going on. So it's no surprise that he would call in and, and probably, in some ways, a comedic way as well, right? Yeah, I thought I'd call in and see see how yeah. you guys are doing today. <laughs> yeah, and and obviously they they called him and said, "Hey, you you need you need to save this situation as much as possible right here." And then he spent about twenty minutes, and it was twenty minutes of talking about Bill and what Bill has meant and then currently means to the organization, and why Bill felt compelled 
to uh, to do what he did with Jay Moore. And that was all started, if you remember, from Drew Rosenhaus, who represented Edger and James. And it all started right there with him. And then Jay Moore went on Jim Rome's show. And again, I I said at that moment, I'll never be around anything like that again. And, and I haven't. It was amazing radio day. Yeah, it's what you say. It's, it's the beauty about what you guys do. I mean, the opportunity... You know, I was listening earlier today with with Miles. I mean, you know, you're able from a radio perspective to have people on for a long time. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, no question. I, I, you know, I knew that it was about this time. I didn't realize this was the anniversary day of, uh, of 22 years ago when that when that uh, radio uh, interview went down. It was uh, it was craziness. People are asking me if it's available. I, I know this. Um, I'm assuming that uh, they still have that somewhere over at um, uh, whatever, what is it now at uh, iHeart. I'm assuming they still have it at iHeart someplace, but uh, I know Mike Chappell has it on cassette somewhere because he was taping it as it was going down live. I would love to hear how that sounds. Seriously. Because yeah. over the radio, yeah. he has that taped. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that would be one of those things that you would have, like, if if it's in storage you'd have it locked up to make sure, you know, cassette tapes can lose their self, lose themselves right. over the, over time. You'd have to make sure you had that yeah. in an area that can't get any dampness or wetness. Cause you want to preserve that thing as long as you can. It's uh, Chris Denary. Uh, thanks for sharing that too. Cause again, we were both kind of early stages. I was really, really early stages and to get thrust into that was absolutely incredible and in knowing that 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 was today. And you know what else that that is uh, again, a magnifier to how you know disappointing seasons when you have expectations can end up going. And that's how haywire yeah, things can go just like that. And, and yeah, absolutely. and there's nothing that you can study or that you can do that would pre- prepare you for, you know, what you have to do in that situation. Um, you know, it, it reminds me, I mean, the, the whole different scenario, you know, a number of years ago, we go to New Orleans to do a game and it's raining in the building yeah. and yep. we, we have to prepare to talk through that situation. Anthony Davis was on New Orleans and, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm not going to go out there with the floor. I mean, just like you guys, nobody can prepare you for sitting in the studio and go, this is what's going to happen today. How do you respond to that? It's uh, Chris Denary with us. I'll get to Detroit in a second. I do want to double back to Saturday. And regardless of that loss, and was it disappointing? Absolutely, to the Lakers. And we talked to Miles about that and how disappointed he was and, and obviously what went down in that game. But all in all, you could not have asked for a better situation and better circumstances now a week later than what went down last week for the Pacers in that tournament. Oh, no question. I mean, from a nationals perspective, but, but John, even from a local perspective, I mean, the amount of people that, you know, may not have followed this team or watched this team uh, all of a sudden becoming engaged in, in watching Pacers basketball. And, you know, I, I sent you a note that, you know, nationally, it was the highest-rated non-Christmas regular season NBA game in six years. Uh, did almost five million. I think it uh, peaked at about six million. And locally, the game was over the air on Channel Six, so people had access to it with an antenna, cable, streaming, whatever. It was the fifth largest 
local rating for Pacers basketball in the last 18 years. So, um, and the the other four of the top five are three Pacers Miami games in 2013-14. Again, these are regular season games. And then when Paul George came back with Oklahoma City in 2017. So, uh, yeah, I think I think what the Pacers accomplished, though they didn't win the NBA Cup, uh, hopefully will go a long way to what they do this season. Continued interest, you know, locally and nationally, and as they you know try to build to what their uh, goal is. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton has said that. Look, we're in it to get into the playoffs. We want to build a championship team. And I just think what transpired over the last week is very, very helpful. It's uh, Chris Denary, the voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I also thought the way the Lakers handled things, I mean, seriously, what do they have to gain other than just winning and being a winner? Because they get all of what the Pacers and the Pacer fans have been searching for for this organization. They have all of that every single day, every single week, every single month, every single season. But for them to go out there and to take it, really, and Miles and I talked about that, you could tell that they were focused in on that, especially Anthony Davis from the opening tip that things were going to be different. And that is, and I'd ask Miles that, that is a level of professionalism that I think if you're the the young, growing Pacers, you can take away also from that experience. Yeah, no question. I mean, you have your two main guys. I mean, they won a title in the bubble a few years ago. LeBron's won a title uh, in, in Miami. He's won a couple in Miami, won one in Cleveland, won one with the Lakers. So you had guys that have experienced that at a high level. The Pacers have a guy in Bruce Brown who clearly won a title last year, and he's trying to, uh, you know, disseminate some of that information and those types of things to this young group about what it takes to play. But as a group, until you experience it, you really don't know what you're in. And so this was as close to a playoff situation as it could be. And it's even a little bit different, John, if you go back to last Monday, I mean, all of a sudden you get to the round of eight, it's like the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's win or you're out. It's not, oh, if you lose game one, you still have game two, three, four, five, six. So I just think the environment that the Pacers were able to put themselves in over the last week. And in talking to Rick Carlisle last night, he said really a big key for us was that previous Saturday game in Miami that Tyrese Halliburton did not play. And yet the Pacers put up 144 points and beat the Miami Heat after they had lost to Miami on Thursday. And he said, I thought, I really think that gave us a significant amount of momentum and some confidence going in, in, into the week. So yeah, all of it is, is important. And, and, you know, I know we will, will touch on last night. I mean, that was a difficult environment. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team that had just come off a high. They come a, a two time zones or three time zones uh, to Detroit you're playing in a half-empty building where a week ago it was a raucous crowd at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, a team that's lost 19 in a row. They have everything to gain, and you have everything to lose. And so it was just, hey, win and get the heck out of there and get to Milwaukee, and that's what they were able to do. That's what I told Miles. It was a professional win last night. And really, Chris, it was reminiscent of the first time the Pistons and the Pacers met a couple of weeks prior on a Saturday at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It was a game. That was kind of back and forth, and then in the fourth quarter, midway through, the Pacers got themselves some distance and went on to win. Yeah, and there's enough guys in this league. I mean, you look up and down the rosters of these teams. I mean, Kate Cunningham's a really good player. I mean, Jay Nivey's a, 
an up-and-coming young player. They've got veterans like Bogdanovich and Burks that can make shots. So you've you got to be very careful in these games because even the, even the teams that have poor records, they've got good players. Um, and, and they're very, very capable. And, and so I just I, I really thought that the end of the first half was key when they went on that 9 nothing run, and then they started the third quarter, and they were able to get some space. It, it, the lead was 10. It got as close as five. But then I thought in the fourth quarter, you know, Tyrese, I thought he looked a little gassed throughout the night, if you think about it from a mental and a physical uh, perspective. But he was really good in the fourth quarter. Miles was really good in the fourth quarter. And then Benedict Matherin, uh, he had by far, I think, the best game of his uh, career because it wasn't just the points. It was eight assists. It was seven rebounds. Uh, and I, I think he's getting better defensively. So all in all, it was a really uh, good night for the Pacers to get out of there with a win. Ah, it, it was, too. And Kristen Neri joins us, voice of the Pacers, with, with Matherin, too. It is still a work in progress, but that's the type of game that you want to see from him. And maybe not 30, obviously, and and eight and seven or whatever it was, but more of a consistency on both ends is what you're looking for from him. I'm going to tell you what, watching he and J.J. during that interview, that walk-off interview, when Jalen Smith came over and you know, kind of did that thing to him, he uh, he had zero enjoyment in that. If you couldn't tell, it was pretty funny yeah. the way that he responds. It's like, yeah, all right, this is what I'm supposed to do. Time to move on. Yeah, he's a very serious person. Let me tell you that. I mean, you know, you see him in the hotel, you'll get him to smile. Um, it, it's so good hearing when, when JJ, Ken Softman, and I got to Detroit. Of course, we weren't with the team last week. Uh, we got to the hotel Sunday night, and Ben was in the lobby area with his sister. And he is so close to his older sister. She's been great for him. Uh, she's a former college basketball player. She's always smiling. And I think that starts to rub off on Ben. He's, you know, a little bit of a guarded person. He's very focused on his craft. I mean, did you see after he made that beautiful left-handed yeah. whip pass into Isaiah Jackson? I mean, teammates were all over him. And he broke out with a little bit of a smile. But the guy is very dedicated to his craft. He's worked really, really hard. And again, it's it's only game 21 of his second season in the NBA. I just think he has such an upside that we continually see it grow each and every night. So Chris Denary, who's on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline, I talked to Aaron Neesmith on Friday um, after that Thursday win, and we were talking about just watching him. You, you mentioned growth, evolution, maturation. And you can watch right now, right before our eyes, him grow into exactly what is necessary for this team. You can see him just kind of evolve into that right now. Oh, no question. And um, he's just an integral part of this team. So happy for him that uh, he got the extension for three more years. I mean, you have to give up players to get players. But I know when I talked to, to Brad Stevens last year, you know, they were, I mean, they were high on Neesmith, but they knew to get Brogdon and now eventually Drew Holiday, you got to give up something to get something. Um, but he's, you know, he's just one of those guys that it doesn't matter whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench. Uh, you know, he's really shot the three well. He's 45, 46%. And he does a really good job defensively, even though he's undersized when he has to deal with Giannis. Like, you'll probably see him a lot on Giannis tomorrow night or LeBron James. But 
uh, you know, he's a guy that, again, uh, when you went to the Ascension St. Vincent Center during the summer, which I would do on a semi-regular basis, every time I was in there, he was in there. Um, and so he's put in an incredible, incredible amount of work um, and, you know, continues to get better. Yeah, it's it's uh, funny, too. We were talking defensively about his philosophy. And, and I noticed in watching that game on Thursday against the Bucs that Giannis basically touched the ball three times, a couple of scores, but touched the ball about three times in the final eight minutes. And we were talking about that. And he had mentioned that when he saw Giannis kind of run to the corner and they were leaving it up to at times with the ball in his hands, Damian Lillard, that he knew that, you know, this wasn't going to be the normal Giannis threat uh, on that particular position. And those are two games in the game where Giannis scored 54, then he had 37 and you felt like the Pacers did a good defensive job last Thursday against him where it looked like that Giannis late in the game against the Pacers got a little gassed. Yeah, it, it felt like just, you know, I was watching the game. Um, they had some guys shooting the basketball that, honestly, the Pacers were fine with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Malik Be- Beasley's a very capable three-point shooter. Um, you know, he's better than 40%, but in a crunch time situation, uh, when the ball is swung and it's uh, inside the arc maybe for a two-pointer, I'd, I'd much rather have him shooting the basketball than, you know, Giannis – you know, attacking downhill because normally Giannis is going to score and you're probably going to foul him and he's become a much better free throw shooter. So there's a three point play uh, from Giannis. So, yeah, I, I thought, I thought the Pacers did a really good job defensively. I think if you look back at the Boston game, um, we, we've said this, John, and, and, and Rick has said this, he goes, look, we're a work in progress. We, we've got to just continue to improve and if we improve a little over time, we're going to get to the point where we want to be. I've said this, that when you're playing at the pace that the Pacers are playing at, and it's a pace that we quite frankly haven't seen in the NBA, averaging nearly 129 points per game, you're going to give up points because there are just so many more possessions in the game. So, you know, this is not going to be a situation where they're going to hold teams to 105 or 110. They want to hold teams, you know, 115, 117, because if you're scoring 127, 128, you're going to win by double figures. So it, it's those things that they need to work on. But I think in, in those two wins and then last night uh, in the second quarter, uh, if, if you can do some damage defensively in certain key areas of the game, I think you'll be all right. It's it's funny too. It it felt like a defensive win when a guy goes for thirty seven last Thursday. That's yeah. exactly how it felt after that game. Yeah, no question. And, and tomorrow night's going to be interesting because you know Milwaukee felt like they should have been in the championship game on Saturday, and yeah. the Pacers knocked them off. Uh, Lillard did not have a good game last night in their overtime win here against Chicago. He was three for seventeen from the field. So I, I think you know for Pacers fans for for those that maybe didn't watch last night, that you watched on uh, on Saturday night, I think tomorrow night is a must a must a must see game because I think it's going to be really really good. Uh, a year ago, the Pacers came into Milwaukee and snapped like a ten or eleven game losing streak at Pfizer Forum and got the win. Um, they had lost 11, 12 in a row to the Bucks, and I think right now the Pacers have beaten them three of the last four. So, uh, should be outstanding entertainment tomorrow night on Valley Sports. He is Chris Denary, um, and I know that um, there are an incredibly um, 
incredibly bad circumstances health-wise for one of our all-time favorites around here as a pacer, as a Hoosier, as a Continental, as a human being in George McGinnis. What do you remember out of George McGinnis's career as we send out our thoughts and prayers to him right now going through obviously a, a pretty dire set of medical circumstances? What's your memory of, of his career where he dominated on every single level unlike anybody has? Well, there's no question. My thoughts and prayers are absolutely with Big George. Uh, you know, I remember him as a player, but what what I truly remember is I was very fortunate for a couple of years when I was the voice of Butler that our athletic director, John Perry, had gotten to know George. And he sort of threw out, you know, George had done some TV and some radio, I think, with the Pacers. Yeah. But, but my boss threw out, he goes, would you ever consider, you know, doing some radio or color work with us? And George did. And so for a couple of years, he was my partner on Butler Broadcast. And he was so good with my kids, my boys who were small at the time. And I, I think back, the very first TV game I ever did, John, was the Butler IU game 30 years ago at Hinkle. Uh, I did it with George and John Laskowski. And uh, there's no better person that you'll ever meet. And, you know, when you, when you see him, um, you know, all these years later, you would never he would you would never know what he accomplished in his career because that just wasn't how George operated. Yeah. So um, just a fantastic player during his career, but more importantly, a fantastic person. And uh, definitely my prayers are with Big George. I'm I'm reminded of obviously what he did here in, in the ABA at the beginning. I was really, really young, probably too young for that. But I was growing into uh, 1977, I was seven years old, and I can remember the NBA Finals where he was a part of that Sixer team that was beaten by Jack Ramsey and Bill Walton and that, that Blazer team in the 77 NBA Finals uh, and and how he played, how good he was with, with Julius Irving and that team of, I think, Billy Cunningham at the time was the head coach of the Sixers. I could be wrong about that, but I think he was. But that, that kind of... And I know we often look at uh, NBA-wise ushering in, you know, of Bird and Magic in that era. But, you know, you go back to 76 for me and the Suns and the Celtics when I was six or 77 and certainly 79 with Supersonics. You know, those finals all are incredibly memorable and nothing more memorable than George McGinnis and Dr. J, even in a loss in that final series to Portland in 1977. It was pretty special. Oh, no question. I mean, you bring up a lot of memories. I remember watching, you know, I was in the mid-70s. I was, uh, you know, late junior high into early high yep. school. And, uh, you know, those memories of watching Big George and Dr. J and, you know, all the talent that Philadelphia had, those those were some uh, really good times. And like I said, I mean, so many memories of watching him play, but getting to know him personally. I, I said this, there was one year, it was early in my broadcast career with the Pacers, and it was during media day or whatever. And then I went out to Old Oakland Golf Course, and I played golf with George McGinnis and Clark Kellogg. And I'm sitting here like on one of the tees going, how did I get here? No doubt. I am playing golf with two just unbelievable players, but more importantly, unbelievable humans. And I go, man, I got to pinch myself because this is – this is a moment that I'll always look back on. I know. I'm assuming you were like me. I was a big fan of the the Sports Illustrated posters 
back yeah. in the late 70s and into the 80s. And I had, you know, Walter Payton, I had Spud Webb, Dominic Wilkins, Larry Bird, and I also had a George McGinnis in a Pacers uniform. Now, the one that I, I can look up and Google is George McGinnis in a Sixers uniform. But correct me if I'm wrong, because I cannot find this anywhere I don't have it any longer, but George McGinnis, it didn't say George McGinnis in his poster of the Pacers. It said Big Mac, right? (laughs) Didn't it say Big Mac? And I I have not been able to find that. That, to me, is the vintage of the – we talk about all the time, George Gervin sitting on the ice blocks or, you know, any of those, those multitude of great 80s posters. But the one that I've really tried to track down and cannot find is that McGinnis in a Pacers uniform that said Big Mac. Yeah. Do you think you have it in your house? No, I don't have it any longer, which is a bummer to me. But I can't – I Googled it, and normally you can find, you know, at least some evidence of it. And all I find was that Sports Illustrated poster that says George McGinnis when he's in a Sixers uniform. And it kind of got me questioning whether or not I'm just like dreaming this or if that was actually there. But I, I thought that I firmly remember where it said instead of George McGinnis in a Pacers uniform, Big Mac. And I've been looking yeah. for that poster forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic person. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the bottom line. I mean, a tremendous player, but an even better person. All right, what time you guys hit the airwaves tomorrow night? Uh, 7.30 Indianapolis time. We're in central time zone, so it's an 8 o'clock tip, 7.30. Um, and then uh, go to D.C. after the game, play the Wizards on Friday, and then a really good matchup uh, with the best team. Uh, they got the best record in the NBA right now, Minnesota, on Saturday night. We'll be at Target Center. So uh, if you think about it, John, th- this group will have been on the road for 12 days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we get to the weekend. Uh, so, um, you know, I think the great way to start out, again, a lot of people were worried about last night. I, I was. Yeah. Um, but a uh, good way to start and uh, see what this team could do the rest of the way. No, I was. I, I, I just wanted to see them because I think a part of their maturation and growth as a good team on the floor is handling games and situations like that, professionally speaking. And I thought they did that last night. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, they're, they're all disappointed. When you look back at a number of those games, we've talked about them. Yeah. I mean, Portland, Charlotte, um, you know, those games that um, are crunch time. I mean, they're eight and four in crunch time or clutch time. And all four of those losses, John, are at home. And it's those games, the Chicago, Charlotte, uh, Portland, um, you know, those were the frustrating games. But then, you know, you maybe have won some games that people didn't think you'd win. So, at some point, it all evens out in the process, but um, I, I think they've learned a lot from those experiences from a negative. You, you know, you learn from it, uh, adversity, but then I think they also learned a lot about them over the last week or so with the successes that they had against some really good teams. Um, my mom didn't get the ABC affiliate out of Terre Haute because of DirecTV and some squabble with their ownership. So um, I had to start out on Saturday, and then she had to watch the entirety of the game from ESPN2 with the Kevin Harden company experience, and it was not good. Not uh, good at all. Yeah, that was uh, – I, um, I, I – I saw that. I was at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Saturday night. We right. had an unbelievable crowd uh, to watch the game on the big screen. So mm. um, it was horrible. Uh, yeah, that would be that would be interesting <laughs> yeah. because 
it's more focused on Kevin Hart and his friends than the game, right? They talked um, about the Sixers the entire time. They had Patrick Beverly and then three of the uh, plastic cup boys or whatever. It was an absolute clown show. It was awful. Terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess to each his own. And my, like, I give it up to my mom. She's 78 years old and watched <laughs> watch the entire thing to watch that game and and they talked over everything you couldn't even really tell what the hell was going on it was horrible so oh yeah. well uh, i know she enjoyed last night oh yeah look forward to watching us uh, tomorrow night you got it buddy i appreciate you chris all right thanks john chris denary valley sports indiana pacers tv the voice of the pacers on the andy moore automotive group hotline